Hey nurses, welcome to the Nurse Dot Podcast, giving nurses validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. Today on Nurse Dot Podcast, We're sitting at a moment in time where whatever we decide about what's going to happen in nursing today is going to decide if our profession survives. We better reprioritize where we we value our healthcare workforce because things are in trouble right now. Joining us today, Rebecca Love, one of the most influential nurses of our time. With her wealth of knowledge and passion for innovation, Rebecca has become an industry leader in advocating for the nursing profession. Her advocacy has led to important changes in healthcare, such as expanding patients' access to care and increasing the emphasis on how nurses play a key role in the healthcare system. I'm your host, Kara Lunsford, registered nurse and VP of Community at nurse.com. Well, hello there, beautiful Rebecca Love. Thank you for joining the Nurse Dot Podcast. How have you been doing, by the way? How's it all going? Oh my gosh, I've been good. I mean, it's been kind of a whirlwind. How when when did you officially launch the podcast? So it was just this past October. So we did a whole season one. We had never done one. Basically, Nurse.com was like, we'd like you to host a podcast. And I was like, "You okay. <laughs> I'm going to do it. I'm ready. I'm ready. And you're like, I didn't realize it was so much work and so confusing on how to do it. I know. They're a lot of work. And um, I'm very fortunate. I have my wife who is a sound engineer and does all the editing and the audio. And she's an Emmy award winning uh, sound person. So you know, who else would I have doing all the sound for this? Which is why it sounds so good and sounds so professional. <laughs> I love it, Kara. You know what? You always are very good at knowing where to put the focus on things because that's where people constantly fall down, right? They come up with the idea, but it's not tying up the small details. And you are always really good with the small details and packaging things. Oh, well, thank you. I feel the same way about you. I'm a huge Rebecca Love fan. Everyone, you know, they'll ask me like, do you know Rebecca Love? Have you? I was like, do I know Rebecca Love? Who doesn't know Rebecca Love? <laughs> That's so nice of you to say, Kara. It's not easy. And uh, you know this stuff, you know it. And it feels like you take criticism from all angles and it doesn't matter what you try to do. And honestly, even this commission. So thank you for taking the time to talk about it because, man, I've had people even just come up to me and say like, like, who do you think you are to take on this issue? And I'm like, well, who else? You know, I, I'm waiting for somebody else to do it. Please, I'm happy to turn it over to somebody else if they feel like they can move the needle here, right? So, you know, the pedigree in nursing, how you and I didn't walk that, we did not walk that walk. And, you know, uh, we may talk the talk, but we didn't walk the walk. So, because of that, there are people that are going to criticize no matter what we do. So, we're going to try to get through it. But you know what? Who cares? You know, like Brene Brown says, why would you listen to anybody who's in the cheap seats? <laughs> Because like, if you're not down there doing it, if you're not in the arena and being a warrior, being a voice for nurses and also having people throw stones at you, right? Because when you're up in the cheap seats, nobody's throwing stones at you. That's a good point. Yeah, you're right. right? No, it's so true. And you're catching me off of a, like a conversation. So don't worry about yeah. it. We're going to do great things. So tell me, how do you want to get this started? What's the plan for today? How are we going to kick this off? Yeah, I'll tell you how we're going to kick this off. Okay, so I took a look at what you sent me and 
I had no idea that there was this commission for like nurse reimbursement. Oh, and- but we just launched it. We just launched it. Like, okay, well, good. So I'm glad I'm not totally out of the loop. <laughs> I know. I was like, this is amazing. Where's this been? You know, so. Brand new. So you're good. You're that- one of our first talks about this. Okay. Super excited to help get some ears on this and get people hyped about it because this is like a really, really important subject. I think it's probably the most important subject uh, for our profession of this time. I don't know about you, Kara, but I feel like we're sitting at a moment in time where whatever we decide about what's going to happen in nursing today is going to decide what if our profession survives or if our profession basically sort of mitigates out to being the lowest cost denominator for every healthcare system, which means that most women in America, which is still it's still a female profession in the United States, will no longer choose nursing because there will be no there will be no investment into it. There'll be no career path for them. And the truth is, is I think that we better reprioritize where we, we value our healthcare workforce because things are in trouble right now. I've never seen it so yeah. bad. And I'm sure you're seeing it too. Like I've never seen it so bad. Absolutely. And for sure, when there is a problem, you have to follow the money, right? You have to follow the money trail because usually what is happening is that there is not, and and it's sad to say, okay, but it is true that if there is not money in it, then people don't care, okay? If they cannot see like, what is the return on this investment? And what is the, like, you can be the most altruistic of hospitals or whatever, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't work out, if the math doesn't work out, that is not where people put their attention. Exactly. So let's talk about the history of nurse reimbursement. Talk about that for a second. All right. So let me start you back in time almost over 100 years ago. And, and you probably call in the early 1900s, women were fighting for the right to vote. And nurses tended to stay out of that fight. They weren't behind 100% fighting for women's right to vote in this country until 1919, when the American Nurses Union at the time organized what would be the largest march to support the women's suffrage movement in the history of the country. So 1919, American Nurses Union finally gets behind the idea of women's right to vote. And in 1920, uh, the 19th Amendment is passed, women's right to vote happens, women obtain the right to vote in this country. Now, over the 1920s, by allowing women the right to vote, nursing quickly becomes the greatest economic vehicle for women's financial independence in the history of the world. Nurses at that time all ran their own independent practices. They all had their own ability to hire clients, bill for their services. And at that time, hospitals were this place of deplorable conditions. Only the most destitute would seek care of their care. And surgery started to get developed into hospitals. Private families started to bring private duty nurses in to provide care in these hospitals. Hospitals started to see that outcomes started to get better. They started to bring nurses in to the hospitals to start getting better outcomes for their patients. What they saw is that healthcare across the entire hospital system got better. And what took place was at that time that bills would be issued, you would clearly see demarcated on all bills from hospitals in the 1920, a clear line that demarcated nursing services. So nurses billed for their services in the 1920s. This was common practice. Now, as you can imagine, as nurses could bill for their practices, hospitals run by men, doctors being men, started to see economic competition by nurses to the hospital model. They started to feel women had too much power. According to the expert researcher Donner Deer, she said hospitals wanted to keep nurses as far away from the money as possible. So in the 1930s, when they started to invent national insurance to pay for health care, 
these doctors, these hospital administrators, men, started to look for models which they could pay for nursing services, but not necessarily break them out as a billable service. They turned to hotels looked and saw that maids were rolled into room rates, and then they rolled nurses into room rates in the 1930s, forever hiding nursing from the value added in healthcare, placing us squarely as a cost. And the question that I asked back to you, Kara, which has been on the front of my mind, is imagine we're nursing, but not only nursing, where would women be today? If 100 years ago, they had not pulled it all away from us, the greatest economic vehicle for women's financial independence in the history of the world, the profession of nursing, they pulled it all away from us, made us squarely a cost to healthcare systems. And still to this day, nursing is the only healthcare professional, the only one that is still a sole cost to hospital systems. And why you're always going to hear more nurses equal more cost, and therefore we're not going to staff any more nurses. Oh my gosh. Thank you for providing that background. And I've said this before on like other podcast episodes that I try to come into a lot of these interviews naive enough that I can A, be shocked by what I hear, but B, be able to ask some of the questions that are coming up in my mind as I'm hearing you talk. Because we've known for a long time, like obviously it's no big surprise that this being a female profession that we have dealt with a significant amount of oppression and and abuse. I mean, over the year, like decades and decades and decades and hundreds of years. Okay. So that is not of of a big surprise to many of us. However, I did not realize that things that we had and that we were implementing were actually stripped away from us. And that this has led to a big part of like what we're facing today, because now I understand, and I did kind of understand having a few conversations with some different people in in the last season about how nursing is a cost (laughs) and it's literally bundled into the cost of the room rate. And so, of course, unless you reform the system, there is never going to be a reason for the system or the hospitals or the facilities to want to incur more cost. I mean, that's just a, that's a no brainer. Well, you're seeing this play out right now in Mayo in Minnesota, right? I mean, basically what happened in May was um, a bipartisan bill got all the way up to the governor's desk, which would have allowed for nurse committees to form on staffing ratios within uh, safe levels of, of patient care as designed within a hospital system. And Mayo basically stepped forward and said, if you pass this bill, we will pull billions of dollars from investment within the state of Minnesota, unless we are allowed to be opted out of this. And that's what happened yesterday. They were opted out of this. So the truth is, is until we fundamentally figure out the reimbursement model, every hospital system in the country is always going to fight against the ratios that would actually prevent, would allow nurses to practice safely and stay by the bedside. And the truth is, is you're based in California, one of the only states that have nurse to patient ratios. We know several things are true in facts about California. There is no nursing crisis in California too. Your outcomes are better on all those things. And you don't have a nursing shortage 
ratios because because of mandating ratios, nurses actually will work in those states at very high levels because they feel safe to practice. And I think what we're looking at is this breaking point for our profession where many nurses are saying in light of the criminal prosecutions of nurses that largely started since the criminal prosecution of Rodonda Bott in March 2022, in which she was found guilty of a self-reported medical error. She self-reported this. We all have always thought, okay, we can lose our license, malpractice insurance will cover that. I don't think any of us ever thought that if we were put in an unsafe environment, not given the right staff, not given equipment that was functioning correctly, that if a mistake happened, we could be held criminally responsible. But it is now happening to the point that even the North Carolina Supreme Court ruled that if you follow a doctor's order and it results in harm to a patient, you can be held criminally responsible as a nurse. The stakes are too high for nurses. The collective psyche of our profession is sitting there saying, I want to provide care. I love nursing. But the truth is, is what you've done to us is you're staffing us to the lowest cost denominator in situations that are deeply unsafe. And because I can't do my job safely, I'm no longer going to practice. And that showed out in the McKinsey study. One of three bedside nurses was saying they were leaving in 2021. We know 100,000 nurses left between 2020 and 2021. But the more scary thing is, is that the average length of experience on a 12-hour shift before the pandemic was six years of experience. We're now averaging 2.8 years of experience on a 12-hour shift within a three-year time frame. So where did all of the experienced nurses go, Kara? And these younger ones, they have no idea. They have no idea that every day they step across that threshold, that if they make a mistake, now not only can they be prosecuted civilly, but they can be prosecuted criminally and have no, and, and they may not be aware of, but malpractice insurance, all that money we pay for malpractice insurance does not defend you when you're criminally prosecuted. No, it does not. Hey there, nurses and nursing students. We know your job isn't just a profession. It's a calling. Now, with Nurse.com, your nurse life is all in one place. Imagine a world where career opportunities are tailored to your skills, where you can find peer support in the Nurse.com app, the only networking site built specifically for nurses. Continuing education, events, peer support, and jobs? What more can you ask for? Ready to take the leap into a role that is truly yours? Check out nurse.com forward slash jobs today. And this is the issue that I'm feeling about our profession. Um, I know that, and you know now that we've sort of switched to the corporate side of healthcare, that if there is not money, if people can't figure out how to make money on something, they don't invest in it. And the truth is nursing has always been a cost to healthcare systems. As long as it remains a cost, we're not going to invest in it, value it, or protect it. We're going to continually try to cut the services, cut the numbers in which we have, and we will continually take away what is perhaps the greatest profession in healthcare's lifeline. Because what we've always had was the belief that if we did the best that we could, we would be able to go on caring as a nurse. And we're starting to see that that's not happening anymore, Kara. It, it absolutely can't happen because suddenly to exactly to what you said is that the, the risk that you're taking on so far outweighs any reward that you can possibly find in the profession. I mean, just like think about it for a second. Imagine you have to, you go to jail. You know, it's one thing to lose your livelihood. 
to lose your license. And that's bad. Okay. That, that's, that's bad. But the idea that you could be taken from your children, that you could have to go to jail because you made an error and the error was made because you didn't have safe working conditions. And who's going to roll that dice every day? That's exact. We tell people all the time, you got to put your own oxygen mask on first, right? We say it all the time. They say it to you in the airplane. Every single time you board an airplane, they tell you, put your own oxygen mask on first, right? That is what these nurses are doing. And you say like, why are we anticipating 800,000 nurses leaving? Whatever it is, right? Well, that's a big part of it, a huge part of it. Okay, so now there's this incredible effort on your part to do reform, okay? Insurance reform. Now you're talking about Medicare primarily. So Medicare, um, so just to, I think, educate nurses a little bit about this, you'll never get commercial insurance to take action with regard with without Medicare making that action first. So Medicare is the largest payer. Medicare, Medicaid are the largest payers in the United States, right? So they oversee the population over 65 for Medicare. Um, and Medicaid sees under anybody under the age of 65 who qualifies based on financial needs and assistance uh, for, for insurance purposes. And so these this body, it sets the standards for reimbursement policies in the United States. So we set up the Commission for Nurse Reimbursement to first address Medicare, knowing that they will be the ones who set the precedent for further changes that would be done by your larger commercial insurers. And now this, what I think all of us for decades have been talking about the need for a reimbursement model for not for nursing, right? And so I waited a long time hoping somebody was going to do this, right? Somebody smarter, better than I am is going to go out there and solve this problem. And what happened is I was at one of the largest nursing conferences in the United States, and I was pulled aside by what we would sort of say are sort of the, 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 the godmothers of nursing, and I can't identify them, but they sat me down and they specifically said, Rebecca, none of our nursing organizations are going to get this right. They're not going to do it. They're not going to take on the American, uh, they're not going to take this on in a way. So we need you to found this commission. And I remember I was sitting there and I remember thinking to myself, well, <laughs> this is this is a massive fight, right? This is this is not something that's going to drive change. They've been we've been trying for 40, 50 years in this country. We fought it when it first happened, when the nurses saw that this was happening in the 1920s. They definitely tried to oppose this model of happening. Um, and then they tried again in the 1980s, the 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 2000s, and every time it's been shot down, they've brought it through. So I know that this is not something that we can do in a vacuum, that we can do in a vertical, but it's going to take all of us. And I also know this is not something that's going to be done in one or two years, but this is the next five years of my life. And so the people that I went out to and approached my my co-chair, for example, Sharon Pierce, she's a CRNA in North Carolina. She was the CRNA who effectively fought the American Medical Association's goal to roll back full practice authority for CRNAs in North Carolina. This is a woman who is a go-getter and determined to fight for the practice of nursing. And all of my other commissioners fundamentally recognize that they are sitting on a time of momentous change that though some of them are on boards of hospitals, some of them are chief nurse executives of hospitals, for example, the chief nursing executive of UCLA, Hospital for Special Surgery, CNIO, Brian Weinrich of, um, you know, Banner Health. 
They recognize that until we figure out a way to get nurses reimbursed, there will always be this misalignment on where we're going to show our dollars. Now, Kara, I don't know if you're familiar with the study that came out of North Carolina by the Treasurer's Office, Powell, regarding the nonprofit healthcare systems and the billions of dollars that have been invested in there. Are you familiar with this study? No, please familiarize me. This is why I think it's so important. We're always told there's no money in healthcare, right? So what happened was um, several months ago, uh, suddenly Novant's healthcare system in North Carolina, emergency room wait times were going up to 24 hours. Patients were dying in the ER. They were shutting uh, wards of, and laying off nurses because they said they couldn't afford nursing, right? So the state's treasurer office went in and pulled their Medicaid license and said, you know what? You're not meeting the obligations of a hospital to the community, which is we've given you billions of dollars. Where is this money going when you're saying you can't staff nurses? Now, as soon as that Medicaid license was pulled, suddenly they found all this money to rehire nurses in Novant. But it triggered the treasurer office to say, well, we've given $1.75 billion to nonprofit healthcare systems the last 10 years to stay afloat. Where did that money go? And this study showed that all of that $1.75 billion of all the billions that they had given these healthcare systems had gone to executive pay. CEO pay at our nonprofit healthcare systems had doubled in the course of five years, whereas nursing pay had only increased 14% over a decade, 1.4% per year. So the reason that this is a problem is that as long as nurses are rolled into room rates, all of those dollars that are going into healthcare systems for room rates are being allocated to anything but. And what the study showed was not probably surprising to me or you, Kara, is that executive pay had little impact, in fact, no impact on patient outcomes or on the mission of the nonprofit hospital systems. So all of the money that taxpayers had been giving to these healthcare systems, billions only went to executive pay. So when we say money doesn't matter, it absolutely does matter. And what they do not do with all of these dollars, until we get a nurses as a reimbursable service code so that we can track where the dollars are going, fundamentally, we're never going to be able to correlate those dollars that are coming into healthcare systems to support the nursing workforce. And this has now led, um, his breakthrough study, which you'll have to look it up, um, is now leading to other 19 other treasurer's offices to go and investigate where is the money going in healthcare? Where is the billions of dollars of taxpayer money going? Because we know one thing for certain, Kara, which is if there are not nurses, in hospitals, there is no health care. And we saw this happen just what happened two weeks ago in the UK when 50% of the nursing workforce walked out of the NHS and their entire healthcare system went on life support. The reality is there is everything else could be done outpatient, occupational therapy, physical therapy, surgery, all of that could be done outpatient. The whole reason that patients are in hospitals or in nursing homes today is their life is so at risk that without 24-7 monitoring by a nurse, they could die. Without nurses, there is no health care. And somehow we have left nurses out of the financial model. And because of it, it's not only destroying health care, it's destroying what I believe is the greatest profession that we have in health care today, which is nursing. So when I think about a hospital wanting more money, right? Because technically, if this works, that really there's potentially more money in it for the hospitals. And there's more incentive for them to bring more nurses in because they can bill for those hours and for those services. So there's potentially more money on the line. 
Okay. So why do you think that it has taken so long for someone to advocate for this kind well, of I mean, here, you know, you were in nursing school. We never talked about how nurses are billed for or other things like that. Nobody ever talked to us about the business of healthcare, right? So I don't think a lot of us even knew this or understood this. It just seems, it just doesn't make sense, right? And then nobody else talked to anybody that was non-nurses about this outside of the CFO office. So I think those healthcare leaders that drive business decision had no idea that nurses were put as a cost structure to healthcare system and why there's this misalignment. Secondly, I think that there is a lot of speculation that would a program that paid nursing services for theirs, would it drive up healthcare costs? And what we're saying is we don't believe so. We're not looking to drive up and cost healthcare more. What we're saying is reallocate the funds that are being given to healthcare systems accordingly to the profession that is driving the outcomes. And people keep saying to me, well, value-based care is going to solve this. And care off. The truth is value-based care all depends on NPI numbers, national provider identifiers. Nurses don't have an NPI number. So even if we do value-based care, there's no way to track it back to the nurse of all the delivery of care. You're tracking it back to the room. So fundamentally, we are at a crux moment of time that we must do these things. And why does nobody know about it? It was by a fluke that I was on the internet one day and was searching something about the history of nursing and came across the article that John Welton wrote, which turned me on to the entire history and then triggered me to buy all of these other books. But in all honesty, Kara, I hired an expert in the deep web to go through files from the 1920s to make sure that what I told you was factually true. That really this was done intentionally to bury nursing, to bury the impact that women had on healthcare, and forever undermined the presence of, of what we were doing as a profession. And just simply for that reason, that we should be looking at righting the wrongs of history on what it did to women's economic development. Nursing is by far the prime example to showcase that fight and also that um, directional change that we need to fundamentally change just even for that that reason alone. But I think, you know, this care, nobody wants to talk to us about money as nurses, which is one wrong. We should all talk about money. Um, I'm, I'm tired of being told that just because I care for people doesn't mean I should be paid for it. Um, and I would love to, somebody executive to, to tell me that it doesn't matter to them about the money um, because working in a, in a healthcare business, I know that it's about one thing um, consistently, and that is the bottom line. And uh, we, we as nurses need to get to the bottom line of this. And that's why we put together this commission. And I appreciate you having us talk about this because we need a collective of us to say it is time that we are reimbursed for the services nurses provide. Fundamentally, they do it for occupational therapy, MRI techs, every other profession does so. And simply, we know it works for them. We know what's, it is not working for nurses. So we know that we can make it work. If it works for every other healthcare professional, it should be working for nurses. So let's just level the playing field. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at bet mgm 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Right. Absolutely. And so what can nurses do? Not just nurses, but what can the general public do? Because I have been talking about this. I'm like, this is not just a nurse problem. (laughs) This is a public health emergency. I was like, if you are a person and you either have someone who is in the hospital today, think that you may be in the hospital, which will likely happen at some point in your life. This is impacting you whether it be today or tomorrow or 10 years from now, this is going to impact you. So I've even said to my family, I'm like, you know, the hospital is not somewhere you want to end up today. Because to what you said just a few minutes ago, that the average number of years of expertise that you're going to have in the hospital is somewhere around two and a half years. Okay, so that is alarming and it should be alarming. And so not only how can nurses get involved to make sure that this reform happens, but how can the general public be involved as well? Well, one, please go to the the commission for nurse reimbursement.com. We have a platform, sign up, get our newsletters, get involved. We're assigning nurses across every state, across every federal level, across committees to make this happen as, as one of them. But two, the truth is, is I would be asking the general public to be asking, where is the money going? Follow that trail. Reaching out to their treasurer's offices when they are saying, you know, my emergency room wait time is 19 to 20 hours. There's nobody there to see me. We're giving all of this taxpayer dollars to these nonprofit healthcare systems who where is that money going? Because we know that if you pay for more nurses, we can actually drive care through the hospital, right? When there's not enough nurses, patients can't get into hospitals. Patients can't move up the ladder. There are actually plenty of physicians in hospitals. Um, there is there's not a shortage of physicians in any hospitals. Rural areas have problems with specialties, but access to care is always available through physician-based services, but it's not when we don't have nurses in there. So fundamentally, I think the question needs to happen. And also that the boards of these hospitals who have fiduciary responsibility need to be asking, what are your outcomes? What are the amount of nurses that we have? What are your amount of vacancies? What are we paying our executives? What is their bonus structure? And is that the right allocation of dollars? Because I think there was this belief and what I've heard from people in business is, you know, we needed to pay CEOs of hospitals $9 million with a, you know, 100% bonus to get the right kind of quality to lead this hospital system. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a nonprofit world. Like, I'm sure that we could find some really good individuals for $500,000 a year who would love to run a hospital system, who would be very competent in doing so. And I mean, I know you're seeing this too, raising our eyebrows. $500,000 to us seems outrageous. But when you're comparing that to salaries of anywhere between, you know, 2 million to 13 million to run a hospital system, plus additional board positions and money that they're making on the side, the reality is something has fundamentally gone wrong. So you, as a consumer of healthcare, as a taxpayer that supports all these nonprofit healthcare systems, should be putting pressure on your state treasurer's offices, calling in the attorney general of the systems and saying, I have had wait times of 19 hours. This is wrong. I don't have access to care. Why is there not more nurses in these hospitals? And more importantly, it's time that they start coming out the public and saying that they support nurses. We all had the applause, things like this. But the truth is, is that we need to say as a general public, develop an economic model that sustains this profession, correct the wrongs of history. And together, maybe 
instead of having all of our next generation choose that they want to be influencers on TikTok, maybe we can start influencing the way the consumer and the public sees nurses and hope that the next generation chooses to become nurses. Because Kara, right now, nursing is still the largest profession in the United States. It's the largest profession still for women in the United States. Could you imagine where will the world be? Where will society be if we don't have nurses in it? It's like nurses and teachers are the people who show up for other people consistently in their lives at the expense to themselves. I just wonder what will our society become if we lose that fabric, the humanity it takes to always put somebody else before our own needs. And I think I think nursing is one of those professions that are a gauge of our humanity and our humility in the world. And we need them. And we're not keeping them. We're not keeping and sustaining the workforce. And, and we need to, because to your point earlier, not only will one day we all need access to care, but more importantly, in all of our communities, we need access to that humanity. Well, isn't that a mic drop if I ever heard one? My goodness, girl. Jeez, I, I mean, I've heard you speak before and I've always been taken aback by just your ability. You have a beautiful way with words. And, and I think one of your biggest strengths is your ability to communicate and really lead people. And lead a movement. You did it with Sanciel. I've seen you do it many times, no matter where you are. You're just this like incredible, incredible speaker, leader, motivator. I'm really hoping that this, what you just said is like a TED talk very soon. You've already done a TED talk, but this is, you need to talk about this because it is something that is relevant to everybody. And you said it so perfectly. I couldn't have said it any better. And I just really, really hope that everyone who is listening to this today, whether you're in the healthcare profession, thinking about going into the healthcare profession, thinking about being a nurse, you've already, or you've been a nurse, or you've been a nurse for decades, that you have heard these words, you understand what one of the problems is, one of the major problems Okay, because I think that sometimes we don't understand what has happened. And if you don't know what has happened, if you don't have the historical references that you just were able to bring into this interview, then you feel very disempowered and you don't feel like you have the ability to affect change because you don't know where to start. So I just think that this is such an incredible movement. You always have my buy-in. This is going to be the fight of our careers. It may cost me my career. It, it is what it is, right? But to me, it's the biggest fight of our profession. If we don't get this right, everything else is band-aids on gorges in nursing. Without a reimbursement model, everything else we try to do, build up more resiliency, give another meditation app to nurses. Like The reality is that none of that is going to matter because the truth is, is we're going to keep putting nurses in environments that fail them as a profession. And then they're going to be criminally prosecuted. And then the next generation isn't going to pick nursing. And then we're going to sit there and wonder why all of our hospitals sit vacant because there's no one left to provide the care. And we're at that point. Like, we are at that point. Like, you see it. I know all of us see it. I feel like I'm screaming into this abyss about this and wondering if anybody's going to hear us. And maybe they won't. You know, and in some ways, like, maybe they won't. And then I wonder if this is where you see 
I talked to April Kapu, she's the president of the American Association of Nurse Practitioners, and I interviewed her. And I just wonder if what we're going to see is we're going to go back in time to where it was nurse-led, nurse-founded, that brick-and-mortar clinics and places that people can go and get that kind of care and that nurse practitioners will be leading the charge and that they will be hiring nurses and they will be standing up hospitals. And I think that that is what is probably on the horizon because I think that we are slow to act in so many ways. I mean, we see that, right? Like it's just, we're so slow to act. And I do think that when you are slow to act, other things just eclipse it, you know, the nurse practitioners are going to eclipse. They are the problem. only ones going into primary care. Let's be very honest. The next generation of physicians are not. There's no money in it for them. And if we want access to care, we know that nurse practitioners deliver. And I agree with you 100%. And I think to your point, what is old is going to become new again. Because we always knew that nurses knew it best, right? And people then took ownership of those great ideas. And they took the power away from the nurses. And then when they became so blinded, by what they re- they became so blinded by the financial model that they forgot parts of the mission, then we're going to find that all this collapses. And the only people left to pick it up and rebuild it again will be the nurses who understood that model from the very heart of its soul. Like, let's be very honest. It was nurses who opened up the hospitals alongside the nuns in this country. And it was the nurses who saved hospital systems from failing in the 1920s. And I think in all honesty, as everything else starts to collapse, to your point, what's old is new again. And the person that they're going to need to build it all back up. It's going to be one workforce. It's going to be nursing. If I was a hospital exec, I would be rallying around what you're doing because if they don't, if they don't support what you're doing and they don't go to bat, they will be the old. That is the final word, Kara. Yes. Thank you. And I appreciate that. Uh, Mic drop. We've, We've all had our mic drop moment, but I just want to say thank you so much for you taking the time to be with me on this episode, for bringing this episode, like the the topic of this episode to us, because I was like, okay, I, I want to talk to Rebecca Love. I'll talk to her about anything, you know, it doesn't matter. But you were the one that like brought this topic. And when I saw it, I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> I was like, yeah, we're going to talk about that. Well, Kara, anything you do, I am a big proponent of. And I think this is something that if other nurses are listening, the truth is we as a profession have not fundamentally always believed that a rising tide raises old boats. And the one thing we can do as a profession is to always support any other nurse who reaches out. So I am always here for you as well. And thank you for reaching out to me because you've done it. You've done what very few have done, which is you exited your company to join a bigger company. And because of it, you're starting to get voices of nursing heard in places that we otherwise were absent. So that is an accomplishment. And every other nurse who's listening here, please champion it forward because we need more of this happening across it. Thank you so much, Rebecca. I love you. Love you too, Kara. I'm going to let you go and do all the great things that you do in the world. And I will catch up with you again soon. Looking forward to it. Mwah. Ciao. Bye, love. If you are a nurse who enjoyed this episode and you have an idea for future episodes, you can connect with me by downloading the nurse.com app. Nurse.com is a nurse.com original podcast series. 
Production, music, and sound editing by Don Lunsford. Production coordination by Rhea Wade. Additional editing by John Wells. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to the Nurse Dot Podcast. Until next time, keep spreading the love and the care.